In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, this book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. Okay, so we've made it to the final chapter of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12. Joey, can you give us a quick summary before we hop in? Yeah, so Solomon gives us one last powerful exhortation to let go of our compulsion to control everything and really take hold of one of the important things that we can control, which is who we trust. So he does this by reminding us of the brevity of life, of the opportunity that we have, and of the calling that every that God has placed on every human being. One through five. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened, and clouds return after the rain. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble, and mighty men stoop, the grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim, and the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. And one will arise at the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of song will sing softly. Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, and the caperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. So what we've mentioned here before, that one of the major themes in Ecclesiastes is time and the impact it has in terms of a limiting factor on our existence. And Tim mentioned a couple of times that that limiting factor is meant to spur us towards activity. A lot of us, I know Tim and I are both this way, we really thrive with the deadline. Knowing that there is an end helps us to to act. Otherwise, we might wait and, and just forget and put it off and continue to put it off. And so our time on this earth is is limited. And this section, Tim and I both think is, is kind of a a metaphor for, for old age, for growing physically growing older. Um, but it's also well, included in that is just the idea that time marches on. And as time marches on, uh, things change. And one of the things that changes is your existence on this earth. And so why you are here for such a time as this, remember your creator and make the most of the opportunities that you've been given. Yeah, a lot of times people will say, uh, well, you know, I'll sow my wild uh, oats when I'm young. And then when I'm older, I'll turn to other things. And what you're actually doing is squandering the time when you have the greatest opportunity to to, uh, go towards fulfillment instead of self-destruction. That's the proper way to to think of that. 
And so by remembering your creator when you're young and energetic, you're actually laying a foundation for a life that is invested well instead of a life that's invested foolishly. And instead of saying, remember your creator, creator in the days of your youth before you get old, Solomon goes into this very poetic description of getting old. He calls it the evil days that come. And, and you say, I have no delight in them. Because you know, as you get old, things are not as enjoyable as they used to be. And then, and then he kind of goes through this. The, the sun, the light, and the moon are darkened, which, you know, the, the sunlight and moon are the same brightness they've always been. But I can't see them as well because my eyesight's fainting. And the clouds return after the rain. Well, I, you know, as you get old, you got to go to the bathroom a whole lot more often. Your, your bladder doesn't empty as, as, as uh, frequently. I was recently with a friend who said he had to go to the bathroom every hour now. So um, he was uh, kind of, it's, it's, it's an annoyance and it, and it uh, kind of limits your, your mobility. Uh, the watchmen of the house tremble and the mighty men stoop. So you, you've got somebody perhaps who used to be a strong man. He was the bouncer at the door. He, he was the gun that kind of was the enforcer. And now he's just shaking. He, 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 the strength has broken down and it's, and it's been replaced with trembling. And th- there was a mighty man who was just, you know, upright and, and really, and really stout. And now he's all stooped over because physical strength has diminished. Your testosterone has 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 uh, has gone away. The grinding ones stand idle. This is your teeth. Your teeth start breaking or wearing out. And in those days, they didn't have quite the dentistry that we have now. So uh, there's idle and few. They stand idle and because they're few, you've lost most your teeth, and the ones that are left, you. You can't even, they don't have anything to grind against. So maybe you're on a liquid diet now. You can't really enjoy your meal. And those who look through the windows grow dim and the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. You, you can't hear the grinding mill. When someone shuts a door, you, you don't hear it happen. And not only that, you don't sleep that well. You, a bird sings and it wakes you up. And the daughters of song sing softly because you can't hear them very well. You don't have near the balance you used to have. So you're kind of afraid of a high place. I, I've experienced this now. I, I, I walk kind of carefully when I go place. I, I never used to hold the handrail and I start holding the handrail. So I just don't have the balance I used to have. Um, and then the almond tree blossoms. And this is my favorite one because I'm very gray. And we were in Israel one time and we, we, um, went by this, uh, we went by this, um, almond tree orchard and the guide said, stop, stop, stop. And you looked out and all these almond trees had the beautiful white blossoms. And he said, look at the almond trees. And he flipped over to this verse and he said, if you're old and, and, and you turn gray, this is about you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, you know, a grasshopper drags himself along because he, he just is, his uh, legs don't work that great. You know, your knees hurt, you kind of, limping and finally the caper berry is ineffective the caper berry was a was a um uh a vi- it was ancient viagra it was it was something that would stimulate sexual activity it's just like you know you know what i'm old enough where nothing works anymore so uh 
This is just a description of the things that used to be a joy that just kind of all diminish and then boom, you're dead. So this is what's going to happen. It's an inevitability, but don't wait until then to bless your creator. Remember your creator in the days of youth. And he told us before, of course, that, um, you know, that's going to be, uh, you're going to be judged for what you do during those days as well. So Joey, since, since I'm in this, I'm at the front end of this uh, reality now, I thought it'd probably be appropriate for me to kind of take that part. <laughs> well, and he really punctuates this where he says, mourners go about the street and the man goes to his eternal home. So, you know, this, this is a real kind of, uh, real kind of clear allusion to, to old age and, and to the inevitability of death. And let's also say this, this all is best case scenario. You know, we talk about <laughs> we talk about sowing wild oats because I'll be old one day. You also like might get in a car accident tomorrow. Uh, and so there is this idea. I, you know, one of the things I love about Ecclesiastes is a lot of times when we're trying to make an argument, we take the easiest road to make our point. And so Solomon could easily say here, like, look, remember God in, in, in the days of your youth because anything could happen at any moment. But he actually he, he says, look, even best case scenario you're going to get old and, and these things are going to diminish. Your opportunities to steward these things are going to diminish. And then eventually you're going to die. And so make the most. Don't wait. There's not a moment to spare. Your time here is short. And when you're a youth, when you're young, um, even to some degree at, at my age, I'm, I'm just about to be 40. It, it feels like like old age, like it like feels like death, I should say, is, is just a long way off you feel especially when you're 20s and stuff we have the saying of like you just feel superhuman you feel indestructible and so this is a clear reminder that like hey that that's that's not the case at any point in your life and and it'll be more and more apparent to you the longer you live remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed the pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. You know, I got to say that, that both the first section that Kylie read and this one start out with remember, with the word remembrance. And, and the more I look through scripture, the more I see how powerful that command is. You know, Jesus says it with his disciples in the Last Supper, remember me. I think so much of, of my weakness, so much of my sin, so much of my squandering of the opportunities that are given me are because I forget God in moments or in seasons. I just forget. I just I just I think about something else. And so this is a real call to what the Bible calls us to a lot, which is remember, be diligent in your remembrance. Don't let this slip onto the back burner. This is what really matters. This is what your life is really all about. And so remember, constantly remember, remember, remember that God is God and that you are called into his service. That's a great point, Joey. And it reminds me of Second Peter 1, uh, which says, uh, give diligence, which is you know, right, right up uh, Ecclesiastes, you know, it takes effort into your faith, which is one of the things we control add virtue and then knowledge and then self-control and perseverance and godliness and kindness and then and then brotherly kindness rather and and then love and if these things have yours in abound then you you're going to be fruitful 
instead of barren, which is this two, two different paths that we have. We can have a fruitful life and a barren life. And then he says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten he was cleansed from his old, cleansed from his old sins. So when we believe on Christ, all our sins are nailed to the cross. But we forget that and start living in that sin, which just it wrecks our life. It's self-destructive. It brings us slavery and death, even in this life, and then loss of rewards in the next and, and, and now as well. It, 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 it breaks relationships. It, it, it robs us of fruitfulness. And that's the problem. We forgot. Well, in all of these illustrations in here, these little word pictures, the silver cord is broken, the golden bowl crushed, the pitcher by the well is shattered, and then fourthly, the wheel of the cistern is, is crushed. I, I think they're all speaking towards the brevity of life. Like there, there's a there's a pitcher by the well, but it's going to be shattered. There's a wheel of the cistern, but it's going to be crushed, which is another way of saying your opportunities are only here for a short while. They're going to not be here soon. And so remember God and take action and do the things that Ecclesiastes has, has encouraged, has set out so far before it's too late. And, and this is one of those uh, circumstances where we, we know what these illustrations uh, are telling us because he tells us, you know, the spirit returns to God, dust returns to the earth. But we don't, they don't mean that much to us. Uh, you know, it would be, you know, it would be like, it would be like somebody using a, an illustration uh, that, you know, involves a car or something now and, and uh, you know, saying that in an era when nobody knew what a car was, it, it wouldn't mean anything to them. So we're not really sure exactly why these would be uh, familiar to people. But what is clear is that life is temporary. It's, it's not going to last. It's just not going to last forever. And in fact, James says it's, it's like Hebel. It's a wisp of vapor. You know, we started out this series with Kylie asking me why I had such a affinity for this book. And, you know, I gave some answers then, but but partially my love for this book is because of these kinds of things. I have a natural bent towards passivity, towards timidity, towards uh, fearfulness, if that's the right word. And what I love about Ecclesiastes is that it spurs me into action. It actually inspires me into action. And it does it in a way that's really based on the foundational kind of philosophical truth. And that is what he's getting after in these verses. This is the reality of the world. It's tough. You're not going to be able to figure it all out. There's uncertainty. There's mystery. You're not going to be able to rid the world of that. You're not going to be able to rid your own mind and heart from that. What are you going to do in face of that reality? What choice are you going to make? How are you going to steward your life? Are you going to spend the whole of your existence bemoaning the fact that life is mysterious? Or is the fact that life is mysterious going to be foundational for a life of faith, a life of meaning, a life of effectiveness that you choose to put effort into? You know, and, and, I, and I missed it in, uh, in when we did Ecclesiastes 11, but in 11, 9 through 10, uh, it says the prime of life is fleeting. That is our old friend Hebel. So that, that's the place where uh, Hebel is, is translated fleeting. And so, you know, our life is a wisp of vapor and trying to grab life with human reason and experience 
is trying to grab a piece of vapor. It doesn't work. But uh, embracing Hebel with faith makes it tangible. And that's what Hebrews says. Faith is the assurance of things not seen. So you don't see it. It's Hebel, but it becomes solid because of faith. Verse 8. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. So obviously this verse has echoes with verse 1-2. Someone gave us the thesis, the theme, the result of his exploration at the very beginning, and he punctuates here at the last chapter uh, on verse 8 by, by just reminding us, like, we haven't gotten anywhere. Uh, nothing has changed in the 12 chapters that we've done in terms of the foundational nature of the earth. What has changed is that Solomon has presented us with an option in the midst of it. And the way I like to think about it is that Solomon is is including this here to say, look, the mystery of existence is not a problem that needs to be fixed. It's a reality that needs to be accepted. And if we can let go of the idea that our time on earth is meant to try to um, solve and or control all of the outcomes, then it frees us up to live life according to what uh, God really has in store for us. The, the answer to mystery is worship. The answer to mystery is faith and figure out what the right thing is to believe in. And here's the interesting thing. I, I, I really believe this. In, in our modern world, it seems to be that there's three different things people believe in. One is that everything happened by accident. Now, to believe everything ac- happened by accident is like, you know, take out your cell phone and look at it and say, how reasonable is it to believe that this cell phone made itself and it came with all the apps and all the programs and all the operating systems and the cell phone towers made themselves and they all connected themselves together and the, and the satellites that they use all launched themselves and made themselves and connected themselves together. And then uh, the electrical power plants all made themselves and the wires all the, uh, to wire them together to run the electricity that I plug my phone into, it all happened all on its own. And the idea that there's an Apple or there's a uh, Samsung or whatever it is, is just a myth. Okay. You, 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 just saying those words, you say, well, that's absurd. But a DNA is infinitely more complex than an operating program for a phone, a human, a, a reproductive system, an animal, uh, the, the, the universe, the atoms, infinitely more complicated than a cell phone network. So here's what I would say. It takes an unreasonable amount of faith to believe that everything made itself. I, I, I don't know how anyone has enough faith to believe that. It just, it's too much for me. But to look at the cell phone and say, somebody must have made this. That doesn't, it takes faith. I wasn't there when they made this cell phone. I don't know that somebody made that cell phone, but it's a very reasonable thing to believe that somebody made that cell phone. Uh, And similarly, when I look around at the world as it is, it's very reasonable to believe that somebody made it. And so the question is, who is that person? And why did they do it? And what do they want with me? And there's all kinds of answers that you can give to that. One is that whoever it is made it and 
I don't care what it is that they wanted. I, I'm going to control that person. And, you know, okay, you can give that a try, but that's not really reasonable. It's not a really reasonable thing to do. And part of what, and part of what, uh, Solomon is leading us to here is, listen, everything's Hebel. And if you, if you want to try to figure things out for yourself, you're going to end up believing things that are totally unreasonable and then doing things that are self-destructive. Madness, folly. That is the way it is. You can say it's not, and it still will be. On the other hand, you can look and say, you know what the reasonable thing to believe is? God made all this. He's going to, he's given me a stewardship of all of it. I have my time. I have my resources. And he wants me to invest it wisely. And if I do, he's going to reward me greatly. And if I don't, he's going to bring me to account for that. That's a reasonable thing to believe. It's still faith, but it's very reasonable thing to believe. And I think that's where Solomon is taking us. Look, let's reason together here. He wrote a very reason-oriented book here to see life as it is, to take us to the point of the kind of faith that makes sense. Well, and you've you've uh, quoted or mentioned C.S. Lewis a few different times, and I think that's really the turning point for C.S. Lewis. He just kind of reasons it out a little bit and says, like, you know, this this is messy, but the Christian faith is less messy than anything else I might believe in. And I, I think it's a real turning point for, for him and for his life. It was. He wrote that in uh, Surprise by Joy, and he just said, uh, you know, look, somebody made this. And if, and if you just can't, you can't look at what's, what is and not conclude that if you're willing to be honest. So I'm going to, I'm going to very reluctantly, he said he was the most reluctant convert in all of England. So I'm going to very reluctantly just bow my knee to whoever that is. And I, I really wanted to be happy and, and I'm going to give up on happiness. Uh, but, um, you know, that's what I was searching for all my life, but at least this will be real. And his, to his great surprise, the thing he was longing for, he called it northernness. The thing he was longing for, that joy that just always seems to be just beyond the horizon, that's exactly what was in store for him. And it was a great surprise. And he says, often I think we do people a disservice by promising them happiness when they become a believer because that's not reality. What we should do is tell them, you're going to have hebel. You're, you're going to have you're going to have difficulty. What what Christianity properly explained does for you is it gives you the the equipping to make sense of it all, and there's joy on the other side. That makes so much sense when I think about trying to describe the beauty of nature. We were just Wyoming in the Grand Teton Mountains and in Yellowstone. There's just like, there are no real words for it. Sometimes people ask me to describe my love for Kylie and I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And we can, we can do that to a certain degree, but it's, it's too big for us. It, it's mysterious. And so when you're talking about C.S. Lewis being surprised by that, no, that North, that joy, as much as mystery can be a difficulty for us to accept, isn't that the key to so much that we love about life? that we can be moved and inspired and joyful 
about things that we can't begin to describe. I can't begin to tell people what it's like to be married to Kylie. There's just, there's not words for that. I don't even understand it myself. It's an experience that is in some ways beyond my capacity and I get to be exposed to it and participate in it. And that really is all of life. So the idea that life is Hevel, that life is a mystery, is something to be celebrated. It's something to, to, to lead us towards rejoicing. And so that's what Solomon is, is saying here. And he, when, he, when he says, Hevel of Hevels, everything is Hevel, I think it's kind of this like utterance of celebration at this point. Like, I, I can't figure it all out. And he bemoans that early on. But I think here at the end, maybe he's restating it in a way that says, this is it. This is the reality. But you know what? Eat, drink, and be glad. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. All of the things that he's discovered along the way. This is the gift of God. This is the joy of living. That it that life is bigger than our comprehension. This is reality. You can either deny it or embrace it. And if you're going to embrace it, you can have a great life, a happy life, a fantastic life. But if you're going to deny reality, um, it's going to be bad. You can deny gravity, and you'll really enjoy yourself till you hit the pavement. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.